All right, folks, it's episode number 47 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about why you need to choose the right attorney for your divorce the first time. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now, your host, Jason Lavoy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great guest for you. She's making a return appearance on the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. Her mission is to provide the insights, information, and inspiration for clients and audiences to transform relationship with themselves and other humans to be honest, respectful, and safe in all ways. Even the United States Marines have sought her help. Dr. Shaler focuses on helping partners, exes, and adult children of the relentlessly difficult toxic people she calls hijackles to stop the crazy-making and save their insanity. She's the author of 16 books, including Escaping the Hijackal Trap and Stop, That's Crazy Making. She hosts the internationally popular podcast, Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships, which I've been a guest on, and her YouTube channel for Relationship Help has reached over 360 thousand views. So without further ado, let's get down and deep with Dr. Shaler. Dr. Shaler, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to have you on again. How are you? I am very well considering all the joy we're having in our world right now. (laughs) And a lot of joy we're having. Um, That's an understatement. Um, For those listening, we're recording this on today's June 12th, 2020. So uh, this will be released pretty soon um, after that date, but we're all all going through some interesting times, that's for sure. Um, And it's not helping people getting divorced, is it? Oh, no, it isn't. It's not helping people who were avoiding looking at whether or not they wanted to stay together either (laughs) because now they're together way more than they ever have been and they can't deflect and distract themselves. So there will be probably an increased divorce rate just as there is a sadly increased domestic violence rate right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the statistics kind of show as we we move on here in the next you know, a few months. Um, I know the courts are still kind of getting things back on track here in New Jersey. They're entering what they call phase two of reopening, which means only 10% of court staff and judges are going to be physically in the courthouse to, to handle things. Um, so that'll help, but not much. And, um, they're holding virtual hearings and things like that for other types of matters, but it will be interesting to see how many people who are undecided about whether they should leave their marriage uh, have decided now um, from having that extra added joyfulness at home with each other. (laughs) Well, that's right. When you really cannot avoid the fact that you are in a relationship and you don't have somewhere to go and people to see and appointments to have, then it really puts the focus on the relationship. And when the focus is on the relationship, 
it's hard to get out of that picture without realizing that you either have to move towards each other or away from each other. Absolutely. Um, and this episode is a focused episode. Um, and we'll be talking more about those people who have decided to move away from each other. Um, and specifically, people who have decided that divorce is right for them, um, but maybe they're not sure where to start uh, in the process. And we're going to talk about, you know, specifically people who want to find a divorce attorney, uh, but aren't sure really where to start or how to do it, uh, and what type of attorney really would be best for them. Um, and, and it's, you know, something like finding an attorney is such an important decision uh, in a divorce. Uh, I always say finding uh, the wrong one to start uh, can cost you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, so it can be a very costly mistake. Um, so let's talk about what are some of the best ways uh, people can find uh, an attorney for them. Now, in your experience, Dr. Shaler, I know you, you've kind of you worked in the courts a little bit on your own. Um, you have been exposed, I'm sure, to the myriad of attorney types, we'll call it, out there, um, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And there are, there are different types of attorneys. Would you agree with that? Oh, I certainly would agree with that, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. And, and because also, you know, my specialty is working with people who are in toxic relationships. Um, when you're divorcing somebody who has tendencies towards narcissism or psychopath psychopathy or sociopathy, um, that's a whole other matter. And it takes way more attention to finding that right attorney. Absolutely. Um, so I guess... What would you say is the best way to, to kind of jump right into this conversation? How, um, especially since you focus on people who are in what we'll call contested divorces, usually in a conflict, <laughs> in conflict um, versus non-contested. And for those listening, if you don't aren't familiar with that, those terms, a non-contested divorce is when you really have no disputes or fights over anything. You agree on how all the assets and custody and you agree on pretty much everything and you just want to officially get divorced through the courts. We often call that a non-contested divorce, but if you, there's any dispute over anything, um, then that would be a contested situation, um, which can be uh, quite antagonistic, uh, especially if you're dealing with somebody like uh, you, you often uh, focus on the hijackals of the world. Yes, it's very, very tricky in that situation. It's an extreme situation, but it happens far more often than we wish it did, that these people marry, and then you have to move away from them. But the the thing is, of course, you know, just to put a context on that, Jason, is that people don't know that they're marrying a hijackal when they marry them usually, because hijackals like to get the live-in, let's have a baby, let's get married, let's do all those things as quickly as possible while they can be pretending to be your soulmate. And so a time like the COVID time where you cannot get away from the overall pressure and the need to be right and everything is your fault and the emotional and verbal abuse, 
really highlights things when it's 24-7. So going to look for an attorney in that case um, is even more important to get it right in the first place. One thing for sure is a caveat is hijackals, those are the relentlessly difficult, crazy-making people, toxic people, that, that's my term for them. Hijackals hire hijackal attorneys. So when you go to court, there's going to be two of those kind of folks there, not just one. So when you go to look for an attorney, you need someone who really understands true high-conflict divorce, that understands the manipulation, understands the way that that truth will not be told and truth will be massaged and uh, to be on high alert for that. That's a great point. So let me ask you this question. If a hijackal spouse would likely hire, hire a hijackal attorney, um, does that mean the other spouse who will assume is not a, a, you know, does not fit the hijackal profile. Um, do they need to hire a hijackal attorney also to fight the other hijackals? Well, they could for certain, but I would prefer that they hired someone with high integrity, a great understanding of these kinds of situations and someone who will be relentless in the pursuit of their best interest because very difficult. I mean, certainly you could go and hire a hijackal attorney, but you would feel abused by the attorney by just being there with them. So it's difficult for you as a client to want to be in the presence of that person, even if you've hired that person, because what happens when you do, when they find out what they're dealing with, they start dismissing you. They start trying to um, not work in your best interest sometimes. You know, certainly we're not talking about all of them, but they, they want the settlement and they want the other hijackal attorney to like them because the two attorneys get into a battle and they're trying to one-up one another and get more than one another, which is common in the attorney world. But when their hijackal piece is overlaid on that and both of them are that way, you know, they just want to go for the win. They don't necessarily want to win for their client. And that has something that has a great deal of effect on who you choose. And you have to do a lot of investigation of attorneys. You have to be willing to interview attorneys. You have to be able to ask the tough questions and be quite straightforward about the fact that you may end up firing one or two. Absolutely. And you brought up Two excellent points, which I definitely want to get into more detail here. Um, so we'll just take them one at a time. You just mentioned, you know, if you hired a non-hijackal, if they hired a hijackal attorney, they would find out pretty quickly, uh, most likely, that there is a disconnect there. And uh, I think you used the phrase or word discomfort, um, which is descriptive and inaccurate. And I always tell people when I teach them how to find the right attorney for them, uh, that it's amazing to me how many people I speak to who have attorneys, but are stressing out in dealing with conflict with their attorney. Uh, that's stressing them out more so than the conflict of the actual divorce or their spouse. And I said, going through a divorce 
is a stressful enough time in and of itself, you don't need the stress of the relationship dealing with the relationship of your attorney. I mean, your attorney is supposed to be your advocate. You're supposed to be on the same team. Um, so that always, in a way, amazes me and, and distresses me when I hear that. But the relationship with, that you have with your attorney needs to be one of comfort, trust, right? Respect. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it's really important that when when you've been terribly wounded, now every divorce has some wounding in it. But as you said earlier, an uncontested divorce is two people have decided on irreconcilable differences. They've done exactly what they needed to do. They did their financial disclosures. They worked out the custody. Here's what we want. And a lot of that can be handled in mediation when things are non-contested, uncontested. But when you're when you're with a situation where you're going to divorce a hijack call, that hijack call has really no interest in the children, although they'll feign interest in the children. They may have a very healthy bank account, but you won't know about it because they've hidden it somewhere. (laughs) And their whole game is to see you in poverty, to make sure they take what you want, And to win as much as possible, which is their game every day. They want to win emotionally. They want to be right in all circumstances. So court is just a glorified opportunity to take those stances. And then if they get a hijackal attorney, I was in court one day with with my client and she was divorcing a hijackal and he had a hijackal attorney. And actually, the client got up and pranced around just like the attorney pranced around. And we're seeing this whole show of these two men, one of them wearing clogs, making big noise in the court, saying, you know, I'm here, I'm here, and we are right and righteous, and we're going to get our own way. And it was quite this show. And, you know, the thing is that facts count. But when emotions run high, and I always say this to, to my folks, and I have clients all over the world, so I know they go to court in many places, and, but I remind them that the court sees a snapshot, not a video. They're not going to see your whole relationship and all the things that have happened and the distress and the pain. They're not going to see all of that. They're going to see the picture that's painted on paper and that is presented in words in the short period of time you're in the courtroom. And you need to have an attorney who can deliver that picture in a factual, non-dispute, undisputable manner that say these are the indisputable facts and this is what happens and this is what we want. And when the hijackal attorney goes off into, you know, the emotion of it and, and you know, he never and she always and these big, what we call all or nothing thinking proclamations, the attorney that you want as the person who's hoping to end the relationship with the hijackal, your attorney needs to be able to say, now speaking of the facts, and draw everything back to factual information. And if they get flustered, if they get drawn into the story, if they start to go down that rabbit hole, then you're going to probably not have a good day in court. 
And one of the things that hijackal attorneys like to do is to get continuance after continuance after continuance. And the reason for that is because then they keep you engaged in their game and they keep you spending money on an attorney to meet their desires for, you know, just simply winning. Like, look, I made you spend all the money. I was married to a hijackal. I, I, I had custody of the children, and he took me to court at least every three months for about four years. Yeah, it's a game yeah. to them. It was a game, just totally a game, you know? But you bring up a, a great point, and we'll take a, a short tangent off the, uh, you know, the main topic of the discussion today, but it's, I feel it's important because when you're looking for an attorney, and this is a little bit harder to investigate when you go on a consultation, but if you do some research, you might be able to, to find out some information. There's two parts to being, in my opinion, a, an effective advocate, especially when you're dealing with a hijackal attorney. One is whenever a motion is filed in court, and for those who aren't familiar, a motion is just a request for relief. Uh, so whenever you want the court to do something on your behalf, you file a motion. So there's two parts to the motion, usually. One is the papers. Both attorneys, both sides will submit papers uh, describing the issue and the relief that you're asking for and the reasons for it. And the judge reads that. And then they usually hold what's called oral argument, where you show up in court and you get to verbally really you're not supposed to, but you end up, most people just regurgitate what the papers say, uh, but in a verbal discourse with the judge, and they can ask questions, and, um, and then they usually will decide. Effective writing, an attorney who can effectively articulate uh, and, and, and describe on paper, and it's an art, um, you know, the situation, so a judge... Uh, like you said, the judge has a snapshot of your life, but in an artful way, you can, in uh, writing, describe kind of and put into context the past, how you got to where you are, and, and why you're asking for the relief you're asking for. Um, and, and that's extremely important to be a good writer and have an attorney who understands that and can do that well. And then the second part, like you said, Dr. Shaler, is when you're in court talking in front of a judge. Uh, you, you, you have to have an attorney or you should hopefully have one who won't get flustered when the hijackal attorney will be boisterous and, you know, uh, they, they put on a show pretty much. It's a show. Uh, and they hope the judge buys into the drama and the theater of it all without focusing on the facts. You want your attorney after that show is put on and, you know, the hijackal attorney takes his bow to say, in essence, okay, that was nice, but let's get back to why we're here. Um, you know, and that's a, that's a skill too. Um, so those are two things that you would want to focus on when you're looking for an attorney. Um, and the writing part, like I said, you can't always get that uh, information, but it's not unheard of to ask to see some samples uh, of an attorney's writing or motions on uh, contentious issues. They should be able to provide that for you. And you just want to feel comfortable that they can articulate what you want them to uh, in a court paper. Yes. And, 
Absolutely, the written piece, because the judge is going to read that to get that snapshot in context as quickly as possible. And then when someone starts the prance and the dance (laughs) and the hyping of the emotion and the creating of the drama, you want your attorney to sit there metaphorically rolling their eyes and not getting engaged. Like, oh, there goes the hijackal hijinks. I'm not going to address that. I'm simply going to get up and say, well, I think it would be in the best interest of my of uh, this court and the well-being of the children to return to the facts in this matter, and they are this, right? right. And get back there, because many people get overwhelmed. You know, here here's a very human piece of it, Jason. If you as an attorney have been uh, and had any abuse in your background and it is unhealed and a hijackal stands up on the other side and starts prancing and dancing you will be triggered and if you are triggered at that moment you are ineffective for your client so it's very important for people in the legal profession to do their psychological and emotional healing if they're particularly if they're going into family law, particularly because it will show up there repeatedly. Yeah, it takes uh, the family court system and and dealing with the issues that you deal with, uh, which are needless to say very sensitive issues, um, and you know people's lives and you know the most personal and intimate part of people's lives. Um, you have to be able to. Listen, absorb, but not react, or react appropriately. Um, and uh, a lot of times, you know, the hijackal attorney, uh, they are a specialist of misdirection. You know, if the facts are not in their favor, and a Which lot of times the facts really are not, um, so their job is to not get the court to focus on the facts and focus on other extraneous issues. Um, and Skilled hijackal attorneys are, are very good at doing that. Um, and judges are people too. They're not machines. Um, so they're apt to fall for that misdirection and, you know, follow the uh, hijackal attorney down the rabbit hole, so to speak. So the, you know, other attorney, hopefully your attorney, uh, just needs to be able to recognize what's going on um, and professionally refocus uh, the conversation and, and the court's attention. Um, and it's a skill and it comes with experience and, you know, you have to have, I think, the right personality type too. Well, yes. And time is an issue. Like the court is not an endless period of time that you have to go, you know, when your case comes up, it's not like, well, we'll just talk until we come to a settlement. <laughs> there, There is a time factor. So if, if the hijackal attorney sucks all the air out of the room, doing the prancing and dancing and misdirecting. There is a time issue when you have, the other attorney has to be able to have the strength and the foresight to say, okay, this is going nowhere good. Let me just maybe ask a question or intervene in some way or ask for a repetition. Where's the fact in that? Or could you please give me some supporting documents for what you just said? And when you keep drawing the person back to just the facts, ma'am, right? You know, that is what you want your attorney to do. 
because they will go spinning off into all kinds of emotion, try to play on your heartstrings, try to feel like, oh, the hijackal has been done so badly wrong. And that, you know, hijackals file false CPS reports, child protective service reports all the time, frivolous, and, you know, they will have... They will have documentation of that kind of thing. Sometimes I've had attorneys for my clients. I've just said, you know, how many how many CPS reports have been found un, unfounded and have we gotten to the place where CPS says that they're frivolous reports? And if so, then every time the attorney gets up and starts speaking about that kind of thing, that's a red flag to say, Yes, well, there is a history of false reporting that has been recorded repeatedly. You know, facts like that, so that we bring the judge back to the facts. Because, of course, as you say, judges have lives. Um, they, they may have been badly damaged, too. Maybe they're going through a divorce themselves. Maybe this sounds like something that is their worst nightmare, and they get sucked into the drama. Well, you have to have an attorney on your side that says, yes, that sounds very distressing, although it's inaccurate. Now moving on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we focused a lot so far on the attributes one uh, should look for an attorney, but how do they actually go about finding this person? Uh, you know, attorneys, there are a dime a dozen, right? Um, we don't use phone books anymore, but if you, you know, just Google, right? It's like the yellow pages used to be. Um, I'm dating myself a little bit, I guess. But how does one start? Um, I have my thoughts, but I want to hear yours. Well, first of all, ask people who you know have been through the divorce process and find out what they liked and they didn't like about their attorney. And if they like them very much, that may be a good person for you to ask for a free consultation to see if there's a fit. And then you go in and you ask your questions about their experience with high conflict. And if an attorney ever says in that interview, oh, yes, I do them all the time, then you say, give me three examples with the outcomes. And at that moment, if the attorney can't do that, that was an attorney posturing to say, well, of course, I can do anything. <laughs> you know, no, give me three examples and tell me what the outcomes were. And that's the way you have to go about it. And you may have to interview 12 attorneys. But as you said so wisely earlier, Jason, do that. Get the right one first because you don't want to waste money but you don't want to waste time, emotional energy, investment of outcome, putting yourself through all kinds of things. Better you should put yourself through the difficulty of dragging yourself to another interview with another attorney and asking the hard questions you don't want to ask and having them be surprised. And then finally you find the one who says, Oh, I'm so glad you asked because I've done this so many times. I can give you 25 examples. And at 87% of my cases, I got four more custody than we thought possible. Okay, now your ears can perk up. Because a, a hijackal is going to go after as much custody as they can. I have been involved with cases where hijackals have gone to court they haven't been seeing their children for months and months and months, but they go to court and then they 
well, they have to have their children at least 50% of the time, and they're awarded the children, and then they get a nanny, and they never see their children. But the whole point was to take something away from the ex-spouse. Absolutely. So you have to have somebody who is really wise and can say, you know, if I can say 87% of the time I got more custody than we thought possible, then we're on to something. Then start asking about dollar values and and um, things that have to do with the long-term benefits and how have you done with making sure that you secure the pension that was appropriate for the amount of time we were married. I'm really getting into that situation and drive down with those attorney interviews. And uh, also, I, I think a, something we should talk about is Interviewing attorneys, um, it's not something that falls into the normal daily routines of most people, um, right? So if, if you're going on a, some divorce attorney consultations, chances are the first couple ones, at the very least, are going to be awkward and uncomfortable for you. Uh, because you're yeah, you're going to cut to- your teeth on the first couple. <laughs> hey, well, there you go. So... Um, you know, by the third or fourth one, um, and you know, you don't you don't have to go on twenty of them, but you want to go on enough of them where you can where you feel like you've met different types of attorneys, different personalities, men, women, you know, so you feel comfortable or know what you will feel comfortable with. Um, every time you meet somebody, I say if it doesn't go well, that's actually a good consultation because you know what you're not looking for. Um, Yeah, I think it's really important, Jason, to think about it as an audition. You are auditioning the the attorney. You are not trying to get them to like you. And when you are the spouse of a hijackal, you have spent a lot of time in a place of discomfort. You have spent a lot of time being ignored. You've spent a lot of time being made wrong. You've spent a lot of time being told your, your opinion doesn't matter. You've been devalued, demeaned, right? Belittled. Right. And so to pull yourself up to go on attorney interviews is exactly as you said, like, who am I to ask an attorney those tough questions, right? Um, because I really need them to work for me. And all, there's another piece of this whole hijackal business, which is the hijackals tend to be the ones who run the finances of the relationship. And so the, the spouse of a hijackal may not have a lot of disposable income and may not have access to funds. So that's another problem when you're looking for an attorney. Because you can't go for the highest priced attorney that maybe is the one that is the real Rottweiler that you want, right? Um, Because they're unavailable to you because of monetary considerations. So you have to find someone who has a passion for this, who really understands, wants to fight for someone who is being betrayed in a bad light. Just like the hijackal attorney wants to pretend that their hijackal client is being portrayed in a bad light, you need someone who will bring out those facts and make it very, very clear the inequity, the deceit, the manipulation, the lying that's going on. Absolutely. Um, You want somebody who not only understands the dynamics of your situation, but has experience in effectively 
navigating that um, because it is an art. Um, and somebody who uh, is aware, uh, you know, of a hijackle's tendencies and tactics um, and is not afraid and, and knows how to respond uh, to them legally, uh, that's what you're looking for. Um, and, you know, ideally somebody who is, like you said, sympathetic to, to you and your plight um, and who wants to see the right thing happen. Better yet, they be empathetic, that they can actually imagine walking in your shoes, not just the, I'm sorry you're walking in those shoes, but is empathetic and can say, oh, I know what that feels like, or I can imagine what that feels like. I'll give you an example right now. I have a client in the Midwest, and she hired an attorney, and then she came to me after a few months of having this attorney, and she said, here's what's going on. I said, all right, here's the picture. You hired an attorney who is a young attorney and she is trying to go for the win in the fastest possible, but not a win on your behalf, something that she can say to the partners, look, here, I did this, I created this. So what happened over time was that we found out that they have uh, meetings twice a week where they can have case meetings and discuss. So we got her to take it to a case meeting and she was very reluctant. And the partners jumped all over her because she wasn't doing due diligence. She wasn't pressing through. She was settling and she was coming back to my client proud to say that she was doing this. And my client would say, well, that's not nearly as much as I asked you to do. And so we had to press on. And at one point, of course, there's a lot of financial undisclosure from a hijackle. So we had to push on with that and say, no, we think that there are alternate funds that have been hidden. So then she did some uh, judiciary forensic kind of looking around and found out, Oh, he all of a sudden remembered that in another account he had $100,000 he'd never thought about before. Oh. And so she came and she was so proudly saying to my client, well, I, you know, he found $100,000 and this portion of it will be yours. And she, my client said to me, what do I do? You say, go back and tell her that when hijackles can find $100,000, there's three or four million others that they haven't found yet. That's her next job. That's the kind of guidance that we have to have when we are training an attorney that's already hired, that we have to then do all of that. And in the eventual result, every time my client got a bill, fortunately, there was a customer service response form in there. How are we doing? And so my client filled it out and saying, not well at all for all these reasons. So then we got a partner involved. Yeah, I, I hear stories like that all the time. Um, unfortunately, or it's unfortunate uh, for your client in that situation that there wasn't, at least it doesn't sound like from what you're just describing, a lot of uh, supervisory uh, stuff going on by the partners. Um, in the firms that I've worked for when I was doing divorce law, uh, especially when I was the younger associate, there was always a partner that I would keep in the loop. Um, you know, to make sure things were going along as planned. And then as the younger associate, the benefit to the client is that they get billed at a lower rate. Uh, but I never, well, it, 
shouldn't be a situation where the young, the associates are just in full control and nobody knows what they're doing. Um, well, I don't think anybody was really digging deeply into what she said at the meetings. Everything was under control. Everything was proceeding. And if it hadn't been a hijackal situation, those would have been decent steps. But in this situation, they weren't. Right. And these status meetings were going on and on and on, and nobody was really seeing any progress. And she would suggest, well, I haven't heard from this person or the other person. We're still waiting for a response. Well, at what point do you you know, put on your rubber boots and start digging into why don't I have a response? How can I get a response? Where can I get a response from in a timely manner? She wasn't working on behalf of the client. So when we finally were able to put in that negative customer service response, then all of a sudden the senior partner, as it turned out, he got interested. He jumped in with both feet and now we're moving in a better direction. But, you know, pertinent to our conversation here is that there are lots of things that you need guidance from when you are going through a divorce and looking for an attorney, like the kinds of things that you offer them, Jason. When they're in a difficult or toxic situation, many times people talk to me about how to find an attorney, but they'll also ask me to speak to their attorney, work with their attorney, to understand the hijackal mind, to understand the projection that's going on, to understand the manipulation and exploitation and seduction that's going on, and to be alert to that, to know how to turn that, how to reframe things. They've got to be very good at reframing on the fly, and they've got to be right on the on their toes at all times. So I can fill in the psychological aspects of what you're likely going to hear, what that means, and what you need to do at that moment. And so it takes a few more folks than you might think sometimes to get the result you want. But to your point of taking the time to find the right attorney, that's key. Because when you put in the energy up front to really do your due diligence, you have a far better success rate. Absolutely. And, and we've talked in past discussions about, you know, forming your divorce team and that, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it does take more than one, um, ideally. Um, and, but in a divorce uh, situation, I would, I would probably say the attorney uh, is the pillar of that team uh, because they are the conduit between you and the court, and, and they're your legal advocate. And then um, you ideally want to surround yourself with other people like yourself who can complement and assist the attorney in understanding and putting into context exactly what we're dealing with. Yes, and, and there's another criterion for uh, choosing an attorney because you ask them, you know, are you familiar with hijackal behavior? We'll just use my term. but <laughs> And if they say, well, not really, then say, well, would you be willing to meet with Dr. Shaler and have her help you with the psychological profile and the kinds of things that are going to be coming at you. And if they say no, then you dismiss that attorney right then. Because right. that means that they already think they know everything and they have everything under control and anything less than that. And, you know, I don't want to point out that um, attorneys really like control. 
they have a little bit of hijackal tendency in them sometimes, and they love that. So, you know, you have to be watching because they may take control of you as their client rather than take control in the, in the courtroom of the opposite side. So that's the wrong emphasis. It's a fine line, Dr. Shaler. Um, but an attorney, I would tell you, an attorney, to be a, an effective uh, advocate, you do have to be able to exercise some level of control, um, both in court and over you know, contentious situations. But I agree. It, like in the manner you were speaking of, it, it, that's a big red flag if your attorney does not want to listen to you or think you can't help them in any way. Yeah, it back to the word team that you brought up, you yeah. know. You know, it's like your medical doctor, you know, you you and your medical doctor are a team. You are the expert on how your body feels. They're an expert on hearing that and knowing what it means. That's a team. You can't operate without one another. Well, the same thing is true in the legal sense here because you know your history better than anyone. You know what you want better than anyone. They're there to interpret that and find whatever is possible to make that happen. That's why you have them on retainer. So it, it becomes very important that they know how to control themselves, know how to control the courtroom, but that it doesn't spill over into, I don't need any help. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, that, I couldn't say it better myself. It's, it's the emphasis is on team, working together, um, not pretending uh, you know, that you're a know-it-all, um, because I guarantee you nobody is. Um, and attorneys, even the most experienced, are learning every day. Um, and it's a never ending process. And so, right. You want to be on the same page, uh, you know, and that's why the relationship is so important. Right. Um, and it all comes back to that finding somebody you're comfortable with who you think has the, uh, skills to be able to handle your situation. And, uh, you know, you don't need to be stressing out about your relationship with your attorney. That that's, I think what this all comes back to is that that's the last thing you need to be worrying about. Absolutely. You have enough stressors. They're supposed to be taking something from your plate, taking it off you, working on your behalf so you don't have to be an attorney. And quite frankly, Jason, I tell all my people, if you're wise, you're going to become your attorney's very best paralegal. <laughs> you are going to have copies of absolutely everything. You are going to get every document in the place. You are going to ask questions that keep people on the timeline. You are going to become their go-to person. And I know it's unfair. People say to me, well, I'm paying them so much. doesn't matter. You're the one who wants the result. It's part of team. Yeah. Part and, of being on it is the team aspect. And, and, and nobody knows your life better than you. Right. Exactly. No one's a mind reader. Just because you pay them $300 an hour doesn't make them a mind reader. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, well, Dr. Shaler, um, I, think, I think we covered some good ground today. Um, I hope we did. And for those listening, giving you some guidance on how to at least get the ball rolling and what to look for when you're looking for a, an attorney for your situation. Um, it's definitely more more we can discuss. Um, maybe in the future we will. Um, but any final words you want to say? 
just know that you deserve to get the best possible result. And it may take a little more energy than you think you have and a little more time than you want to take. However, don't repent at your leisure. When you're in a difficult relationship, you want to gather everything you can before you leave it. What I call, what I do with my clients, I call them prepare and practice. You want to get someone on your team. You want to make sure you get the greatest possible outcome. Because when you're worn down, put down, and torn down, many times you will just feel like, all I want is out of this. You know, whatever, just get me out of this. And you really have to summon up some sense of, I want to get out of this in the best possible way. Not just out of it, but in the best possible way. And hang in and do that. Absolutely. Where can everybody find you now? I'm easy to find. It's at 4, F-O-R, Relationship Help, H-E-L-P dot com. You can also listen to my podcast, Save Your Sanity Podcast. And you'll find it on, on my website and also my YouTube channel by the same name as my website, 4, Relationship Help. Excellent. And, and I'll put that information in the show notes too, if you're listening, so you're not scrambling around for a pen, if you're driving especially. Uh, Dr. Shaler, thanks so much for coming on the show again, and we'll have to talk again soon. Great. Thank you, Jason. It's always great to talk to you and to bring some important things to folks who really need them. All right. So there you have it. Another good talk with Dr. Shaler. I hope you guys got some value out of that. Basically, you know how, or at least I hope you know now, how important it really is to choose the right divorce attorney for your situation and to make that choice right the first time. Now listen, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. So if you happen uh, to have the wrong attorney, then you do want to make a switch sooner than later because the more time you stick around with the wrong attorney, the more money you're going to waste and the longer everything is going to take. So Try the first time, obviously, but if it doesn't work, your your ship is not sunk, so to speak. So you, the point is that you want to, whether it's now or later, align yourself with the right attorney for your divorce so things can get handled properly uh, and in the most efficient way possible. If you're interested in uh, getting some help finding the right attorney, contact me, Jason at JasonLavoy.com, and I help you do exactly that as part of my coaching services. Uh, check out the variety of my programs on my website, jasonlavoy.com. If you have any questions, just hesitate, don't hesitate, uh, and just ask. I'll be happy to even talk with you for a few minutes uh, about how I may be able to help you. If you haven't already, also subscribe to this podcast so you get all new episodes when they come out. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. I'm Jason Lavoy, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you real soon.